0: Welcome to The Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome back to another episode of The Athletics of Business podcast. I am your host and CEO of The Molitor Group, Ed Molitor. And today I am bringing you part two of my conversation with award-winning filmmaker Phil Wall. And if you've ever wanted to listen to someone who absolutely followed their purpose and their passion and how it is turning out for them and what their journey is like, uh, this episode and the previous episode doesn't get much better. And today, I highly recommend, I urge you to have a pen and paper ready as we talk about two of his documentaries and take a deep dive into so many takeaways. And they're very relevant to what we've been going through, what we are going through, and how we move forward at the highest level. The first documentary we jump into is The Standard, which is about an endurance challenge like none other, okay? It's a $48 challenge that it's an opportunity for elite athletes to test their limits and not just their physical limits, but their mental limits as well inside of this. I mean, we talk about mastering the chaos and enduring the unknown and how it comes down to this, it's about winning or quitting. And one of the things we jump into that's so relevant to everything we do on a daily basis is this, that in times of stress, you fall back on what you practice the most. It's a great conversation wrapped around preparation and something that I will absolutely tie into my keynotes as well as my work with my clients is don't re- disrespect the people who are here working with your performance, your effort, whatever it may be. But there's so much cool stuff there uh, in the standard. And then the second documentary we really take a deep dive into is very moving. I was fortunate enough to have Phil give me access to a sneak preview of it. And it's called The Bookkeepers. And we'll have links for all this on the show notes, obviously. It's called The Bookkeepers. And it's a documentary about his dad as he travels the country, promoting his mother's book after her death. And it's from Phil's vantage point. And Phil travels with his father and, and the evolution of what he talks about, how he talks about it, and what the results are, are pretty powerful. And there's some things that really help us gain and keep perspective on what is going on in our worlds right now. So enjoy this, and I urge you, get a pen and paper. There are so many great takeaways. I can only imagine how much you have taken away from the films you've done, because I, I have to segue into what brought me to Phil Wall, okay? And I explained it in the introduction, right? And it was a former podcast guest, a, a, a former client, a friend of mine said, you've got to watch The Standard. You will absolutely love it. I said, what in God's name is The Standard? And it was out of the blue. And so I, I woke up early one Saturday morning, and opened up my laptop, and I, I put it on, and I was absolutely mesmerized. Now, I'm not saying this because you're sitting in front of me, and obviously, you know this is true because I, I reached out to you about that, you know, and, and, and when I looked up, uh, I looked you up, then I saw the other work you have done, I'm like, all right, I have to have Phil Wall on the podcast, I have to get to know this guy, there's so much there. But the standard, I mean, just tell us about that, tell us about doing that documentary, what it's about, what you experienced, and the things that you took away from it.
1: Yeah. So the standard is, it's a feature documentary, 90 minutes. It's about a, a 48 hour endurance challenge that is hosted by special forces combat veterans. Anyone can show up, very few people finish. And I had uh, known about the event. Uh, it's it's put on by a company called GORUCK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that company, they make military grade bags, they make apparel, um, and they started running these events. I mean, you know, I think, I forget what year they started up, but it was maybe like around 2007, something like that. But they came up with these events to test their bags because the bags go to combat. And so the founder of the company wanted to say like, all right, let's figure out how to mimic combat scenarios and let's figure out how to break these bags what they found were you know so they started doing these overnight challenges that were 12 hours and what they found were people would show up people really love doing it people like you yeah, (laughs) yeah so i ended up uh and then we'll get back to this film i ended up doing a go rec challenge because a friend had introduced me to them back in 2011 or 13 or something like that and, um, and I did some marketing work for them, like their early event videos to market their company. And uh, the founder, Jason, basically said to me like, okay, Phil, everybody here who works for us is a special forces combat veteran uh, or has done one of these challenges. So let's look at the calendar. When are you doing it? So I did one of their 12-hour overnight challenges, which those like 98% of people finish because it's about team building. It was the most physically rigorous thing I've ever done. You get smoked in the first two hours. And the idea of that is everybody in the group of 30 people gets put kind of on the same level. And there's a special forces combat vet who is organizing you know, the events and you're just sort of turning yourself over to them. You got the rucksack, weighted rucksack on your back. And we went through Philadelphia
0: that night. Wait, first of all, hold on, slow down. You're not giving yourself enough credit. What time of the year was it, A, and B, (laughs) do tell about doing pushups in the river that time of the year.
1: Yeah, it was February. I had my cousin with me and a few other friends, and then it was like- Are they still talking to you? Yeah, and then like 30 other people. We, in the first 20 minutes, the cadre had us bear crawl like 100 yards down to the Schuylkill River in Philadelphia, (laughs) and we were in the water. It was 34 degrees outside. We were (laughs) in the water, pushups sit-ups flutter kicks like the guy knew the amount of time that we we would be safe in in that water and he also knew that we were about to be moving for like the next 11 hours and 40 minutes whatever it was
0: so did you find comfort in the fact he was looking at his watch and he was not going to let hypothermia set in? I mean, for God's sake. I mean, I sort of in awesome. the back of my,
1: yeah, in the back of my mind, I knew that. And he was definitely, I don't remember exactly, you know, <laughs> it was a shock to the system. But he was definitely telling us that we would be okay, uh, yeah. you know, and that we just needed to keep moving. And, no, you know, everybody was fine. And everybody in our group finished, you know, the next day. We were, we it, it was such a team building experience. And personally, it was very transformative because you're constantly faced with, you know, we would have these group activities where we would have to carry, we'd find a log by the river and we'd have to carry it a mile and a half or two miles. And we would pick a navigator and a team leader and, and all this stuff. And let's say there's 30 of us, well, only 15 or 12 can fit under the log and it's about all you can handle. Right. So. So you had to, we had to like rotate. And so you're constantly faced with being rotated out and watching your teammate start to struggle and crumble and have to answer that question. Am I going to help or am I going to take my break? That was something that was, it's, that's really stuck with me. Fast forward a few years, GoRuck is doing these, uh, they've amped up their game a little bit because people love these events. And uh, people kept asking for more and more. And so GORUCK came up with this 48-hour challenge that is a condensed version of the special forces assessment and selection. And they take all of the elements of that and program it into this 48-hour period and invite anyone to show up who feels that they are ready to take this on. And the main difference between this it's called GORUCK Selection. The main difference between the selection and the challenge that I did and the other events that they do is that they encourage you to quit. And that's the real test. Uh, whereas in the challenge, they don't let you quit because they know you can do it and they're trying to encourage you and talk you through it uh, when you do wanna quit. But for the Go ruck Selection, they turn it on to another level. Ooh, yeah. the people who show up, that's what they signed up for. right? They signed up to be pushed to their absolute physical limit and fi- and mental limit. Having done the GoRuck challenge, having been around people, the GoRuck guys, like I knew going into this selection that we ended up filming, it was important to capture whatever happened in a way that allows intimacy for the audience, but doesn't interfere at all with the process that's going to unfold. Mm -hmm. because it's really important for the people doing it. The participants, it's really important for them. It's a a special moment that they've, some of them have trained like a year for, and for the cadre, to describe it to, I guess, the cadre, for lack of a better word, are essentially drill sergeants who are running the event and telling the participants what is next, what the next uh, iteration is, whether it's you know, it's all physically taxing. It's, it's a combination of all different mental and physical challenges that are unpredictable and unknown to the participants. You just sort of give yourself over.
0: And that's the big thing, right? It's like the unknown of what's coming next. Right. You know, I love how they would build someone up and they're just completely setting them up, right? They're setting them up to break them down or they're breaking someone down to force them to build themselves up. But what was really cool about this, and, and we'll, put, we'll put the link, we'll put all the information in the show notes. I, I, I cannot recommend this enough, but what was really cool about this, the way you filmed it, it was almost like going back to being a coach's son for you in the locker room because you would show them absolutely blasting the guy. Then here he would go off into the woods to pick up another X amount of pound weight. And as soon as he was out of their sight, they just have a normal conversation. They would just revert back to actually to like assessing the situation and what was going on. I mean, there's that poor guy. God knows what's going through his head, his mind, and his body. And here they are, sipping their coffee, just having a conversation. What were some of the takeaways, man? I mean, it was mind blowing. The things. And now, again, these are folks that signed up for it. They volunteered for it just to see what they're capable of. There's a conflict happening there. Like for,
1: and this is what made me think it could be a film. For the cadre who are running the event, the event, they want to have an impact on people that's positive. They want to build better communities. They want this event to change people's lives, whether or not they finished or quit. But the agreement, if you will, between the participants and the cadre is essentially, I'm gonna train and show up and I'm gonna do what you say and you are going to tell me to quit nonstop. And the conflict there is essentially, these cadre want more than anything to see people finish. But they have to play this role of spending the whole 48 hours absolutely just trying to trigger. I think one of the cadre says, you know, trying to trigger that gremlin in your mind. Yes. That's telling you, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be here. And if you'll notice, like in the film, the cadre, again, it's never about the person. It's about the performance. Yep. And so it's just like you are not up to standard everybody else mm-hmm. is way ahead of you, you know when it's a group of people right. Mm-hmm. They essentially pick on the weakest ones, yeah. you know the people who are behind it's like okay that's it that's you you're going to get special attention now right. and then. You'll see a person quit, and the and the switch flips off, and they say, "Oh my God, man, that was incredible what you right. just did. We're so proud of you. Thank you so much, dude. Who are you? Yep. What do you do what for? You
0: yep, absolutely. You
1: know, and it's just it's so clear that they're playing a role, and that role is actually in conflict with what they want most in their heart, which mm-hmm. is to connect. Right. And in some ways, it's a beautiful thing it was really important to me to make the film in a way that that was really, that that's clear. Because I think like, you know, I've been around coaching, I played basketball, I've worked all these basketball camps, I've been around it. And I've seen some guys, some people who will just, you know, MF people for no reason. And it's more about just putting on a show Mm -hmm. for whoever's in the gym or for the other players. And you end up like putting people down. Right. And it's about them. Yeah. And, and in this, here are the people who are the most elite of them all who understand, in addition to being able to deliver mm-hmm. that type of punishment, understand the greater purpose of it and are doing it for a greater purpose and are managing that line. They're walking up to it and they're not crossing it because they actually do care about the people.
0: Well, then you show that, right? You show that to begin yeah. where one of the gentlemen talks about like, this is the one thing in life, like this, is the one event that actually brings me to tears at the end when the people do finish. And, and there's some great stuff I want to share. And they talk about commitment, sacrifice, and dedication, but they almost serve as what life does to you, the way they do things, right? Because if they take you to your absolute lowest point. So you have to figure out what your why is, right? What your purpose is. But some of the stuff they said in here... <laughs> I'm going to say it a little calmer than they do, but master the chaos and endure the unknown. One that really got me, trample the weak, hurdle the dead. <laughs> but, but you think about it, right? You think about it in the sense of, of, of the business world, your career, of, of just things you're competing for in general, you know, trample the weak, hurdle the dead, but dominate the man in front of you, but win or quit. And, and here's one that I absolutely love when you think when you put it in the team sense, because they talk about how high performing teams are made up of individuals who are selfless and committed to the cause. And here's the one that really got me when you start talking about that don't disrespect the people who are here working, you know, by your performance, not you personally, like you said, but don't let your performance disrespect the people here that are putting in the work. And I don't want to give everything away, but when the one gentleman's laying on the bank, right? Chilling out, Mm -hmm. sipping on his water and the one guy's in the water, just dying. I mean, he's dying. He goes, that's what's winning. Winning looks like, right? I mean, that's it. It's plain and simple. And they talk about winning over and over and over. And they talk about when you fail to meet the standard, that's losing. And I right. just, I just think that's so you captured so much in there.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things about when you, so much of that you said is about winning, right? Like winning and losing. And it's important to note that that is sort of hard to define and it's, and it's an ever changing standard in the, in the film in the story that we're covering in the, in the film, because whoever is in front is the person winning And it doesn't really matter what the task is. The person who's doing it the best is winning. And I think that they're really using it as, um, because the real standard is not quitting. And so they're using that sort of winning and losing thing to make you feel like you don't belong, to suggest to you that you don't belong, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody else is doing this better than you. What are you doing here? Whereas in my work, I guess, or perhaps in business, in your business, You can be the the weakest link, the lowest common denominator, but in the next iteration, you might be the strongest of -hmm. your team, right? right? And it's about getting there. It's about getting to that point, to that next thing. Like, okay, yeah, this is out of my skill set. This isn't my role. I need to support. I need to make sure that I'm respecting the other people who are working and figure out how do I perform here in this task. And then when we get to the next one, who knows what that's going to be? but maybe it's something i'm good at. and so i think recognizing that that you're kind of that weakest link or lowest common denominator is something that's invaluable and it's and being able to talk about that with clients for example i mean i have clients who will ask me to do particular things and i'll be like okay you want to have that animated graphic thing I don't know how to do that. Let me just say, first of all, but I'm in it. I'll find a way we'll, we'll do this together, but I'm not going to act like I know how to do that. And then we're in a situation where like in the standard, I'm just kind of crawling around in the mud while everybody else is 20 feet ahead of me and, and, and I'm holding it, I'm holding things up. Right.
0: Uh, and it's just about taking that next step forward. Yeah. Just get yeah. to that. Get to, like you said, just get to that next thing, take that next step forward. And I mean, I think it's so, it's a metaphor for what we're going through right now. Or what we've been going through the last 18, 19 months, right? Just the 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 willingness and the ability to endure things that we don't have any control over. And just to to take the next step forward and just to keep digging in. Yeah. Take the step
1: that's right in front of you. That is the standard, right? Is to keep moving, to never quit. And I guess when they're talking about, you know, mastering the chaos and and all of that stuff, I mean, you fall back on in times of stress, you fall back on what you practice the most. And so you have to have trained hard enough for this event, for the record selection, you have to have trained hard enough physically that when you are mentally and physically so gassed and so at your limit, mm-hmm. that your lowest point of performance is still putting one foot in front of the other, instead of panicking and thinking about the warm fire and coffee that you can go get if you just right. Stand
0: up and quit. Well, and you know you've been there before. If you're prepared, you know you've been there before, right? If you you put yourself in situations that were equal or greater adversity than what you're currently going through, you're good. You know, you've got this. Now, I want to segue to the latest documentary because it's an absolutely amazing story. I stayed up in full disclosure quite late last night watching it, rewinding it, watching it. And there's so much to it. Okay. And it's titled The Bookkeepers. And I'd love for you to walk us through just the story behind the story. Because it really, it really is great work. The Bookkeepers is a, is it's a feature documentary. Uh, it's
1: filmed from my perspective, uh, and it follows my dad as he travels the country promoting my mom's first book after her death. So we talked about her being a writer early in the conversation, and she got her first book contract uh, around 2010. Uh, and, it, and the book is called Mr. Owita's Guide to Gardening, and it's a memoir that's about her experience with breast cancer and how that coincided with a friendship she developed with a Kenyan gardener. And they kind of ended up becoming these spiritual guides for each other. Right. And our families got intertwined. And it's a story that, that is about embracing affliction and living plan B. The book came out in 2014, and her cancer had returned during uh, basically the final months of the edit of the book. And she, it was kind of the last thing that she was able to do. She finished the book in the final window of time where she was capable of doing that. Um, and so she had a, um, unfortunately like a long, uh, illness that she eventually died from and she kind of lost her mental faculties over, over a course of however many months, maybe it was like six or seven. And she died in December of 2014, one week before her book was named top 10 of the year by USA Today and AARP. So sort of the, what happened was a lot of marketing opportunities, a lot of the events and interviews and stuff that Penguin Random House had set up got canceled. And she never got to speak to advocate for her book, which is kind of, you know, it's like, it's an injustice for, for me something that needs to be righted but a few of them invited my dad to speak and so he started traveling to to these places and talking to people uh, ostensibly about my mom's book but what he ended up doing was talking about her and their relationship and meeting her and their lo- his love story and uh what he was going through and sharing his loss and grief and it became this uh, really powerful exchange. You know, I didn't set out to make this documentary, especially the documentary as it exists today. I had been capturing some material to help my mom get ready to publish her book. You know, I did some interviews with her to put on Facebook and things like that when the time came to promote her book and to promote her as a speaker. And it just didn't happen. My brother and my sister. And I would help my dad at some of these events. And I went to a few of them and uh, was really struck by what happened after, which was that strangers would walk up to me, give me a hug. They would tell me their story. They would tell me I lost my mom, I lost my sister, my brother. They would share a loss with me. And it totally floored me because I didn't realize how much I needed to hear that and how much that helped me in those moments, you know, so proximal to when my mom had died. So I started thinking, well, this is really powerful. What's happening here? Can I capture what this story, can I tell this story in a way in a film that will encourage this type of exchange from people who watch it? And that was the impetus for making what is now the bookkeepers you know and that start that process started in in 2015 Uh, and the film premiered at the austin film festival in in 2020 and it won the jury prize and the audience award for Mm -hmm. for best documentary feature so i cannot tell you like how much that has meant to me the process of making the film but also just like I've had so many meaningful conversations with people, and that's
0: really all you can hope for. Right. What about the car rides with your dad? Yeah, much of the
1: film is in the car. On one of the trips, we go from Virginia to Montana, and then back to Virginia, like through Georgia. And then uh, we take a few other trips to Florida, We we go to Texas. That was, again, it's like going back to the basketball, looking back on it. It's incredible to have that time together. Right. I think initially, like, I was worried about my dad. He's going out to these places he'd never been before. He's going to be talking about my mom constantly. You know, I didn't really know what impact that would have on him. And I was worried about, you know, how he was dealing with things. Mm -hmm. And didn't know what was going to happen in the car. And of course, I decided that I'm going to be trying to capture this film. You know, in some ways, like, he had the book as this distraction. Uh, and I had the film as this distraction. Right. To put, uh, I felt compelled to, to do something. You know, my mom, one of our final conversations, she said, you take care of our book, you know, and I wish that perhaps she could have been more specific.
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And that comes up and we won't we won't ruin it. But that comes up and your sister. Really. I thought what she said was really profound. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah. I think there's a deeper meaning to that. And yeah. it, it is very true because she was a little bit vague in what she meant. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's there's a lot of ways to look at it. And that's kind of what I think the film is. You know, I think it's important to leave things kind of open to interpretation because people need to have their own discovery. Those are the films I like, where I feel like I found something.
0: And that's how I felt. Like I was figuring something out as I went along before you guys told us the answer, right? Like, yeah. especially when your sister said that. And then I, I watched the conversations you had after that. But going back to what you said, how you're worried about your dad. And it's interesting because he brings it up in one of the car rides where he talks about he's worried about himself. And he just kept talking and it was like, it was so cool to see him work through whatever thought it was that wasn't making sense. But then it did make sense, but then it didn't make sense. and He was okay with it. Yeah.
1: I mean, and that's going back to playing for him. That's how he did it. Right. He read all these different things and then he walked up to us at practice and said, this person says this this person says this this is what we should do right. you know this is how we should deal with this and that's how he copes for lack of a better word right the way that i cope is kind of turning on like uh, approaching something from an with my intellect you know trying to explain it in this other way and doing it through the film in, in some ways Yeah. I mean, those conversations in the car, it's like, it's not like I expected, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know what to capture. I didn't know what the film was about. And I I found it in the edit. The
0: edit is what made me decide what's important. And how did your dad feel about that? Besides the fact that his son is brilliant. Okay. Besides (laughs) that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think if you've watched him now for 90 minutes, you know that he would say that my mom is brilliant. And he would say the same thing, he oh, 100% is behind whatever she wrote or did, and me too. You know, he treated it basically the same way he treated the book, which is like, this is special, and I don't know how to do what you do, and I trust you. It was interesting, like, watch, going through a few drafts of the film or going through making different scenes to understand how I was viewing my dad and where I needed to basically like get back in my lane, so to speak. At some point, I ended the film with a closing slate that says like, dad's book tour goes 225 events in 30 different states. He's traveled over hundred thousand miles and he says he'll continue for as long as it takes. Well, that's like editorializing in a way. It's like, get off the guy's back. Like if he can do whatever he wants to do, right. it's, it's up to me to take something away from it, to learn something from it for myself. It's not for me to like evaluate him or judge what he's doing or why he's doing it or what his motivation is. It's perhaps for something to explore and discover. And so making the, the film really made me realize the times when I was trying to get a hold of him, try to explain or correct what I felt was happening.
0: You know, and that brings a question in my mind. As you were sitting there going through all the editing and you're, you know, rewatching the footage that you shot. Did all of a sudden, like you realize something that you were, you know, it's the old things begin to change You know, change when I change the way I looked at them. Did all of a sudden you realize that maybe in the midst of the conversation, you missed something and you picked it up during the editorial about your dad or about yourself or about the journey that you were on?
1: Yeah. I mean, things change their meaning, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things about the film is uh, it's very repetitive. I have him using the same words over and over because- He's giving a talk at all of these places, so he's, he's kind of on a script. When we were just talking about what are your strengths and weaknesses, at some point I sat down with this film and thought, okay, what does this content yield that is unique? We have all of these things. I want this film to sort of live in the grief canon. Uh, I want it to have an impact on people, a positive impact. But what about this story is unique? Everybody loses someone and there's plenty of books about it. There's plenty of films that deal with it. Where does this one work? Where does it fit? What does it add? And so I realized like, okay, I think I am going to use the fact that it's repetitive, that he's using the same words over and over and over. And you start one place at the beginning of the film and you end in this totally different place. the the universe has changed. You end, you know, with a guy in an empty room, you close with a guy in a crowded room. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, no one loves him. And in the end, he's surrounded by people who love him and know him. Right. right? Right. And so but you get there and you feel totally differently about it, but the words in the closing of the film are the same as the words in the beginning of the film and in the middle (laughs) of the film, But they've changed meaning. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've, we, you know, me as the filmmaker, you as the audience, we are the ones who are putting the meaning on those words. And he's had his discovery. I've had mine. Hopefully you're having yours. Yeah. It's in that edit where I'm going back and realizing that basically, I mean, shoot, I can't believe I'm saying this. I didn't realize this that he had what was inside him the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. right that's what coach right. says yep. absolutely it's inside you right yep. he had it inside him the whole time and he fell back on his practice and storytelling got him through through is not the word but storytelling helped him heal yep. you know yep. and it helped him find what's inside him and helped me find what's inside me and what's important and what should endure so yeah it's like realizing what the film was about or what i wanted it to be about made me reevaluate all of those conversations It went from the more nostalgic conversations to about my mom and dad. Uh, At first, when I wanted to make, to tell you about this story, I wanted to tell you all about like the painful months of how she died. But as time passed, I focused less and less on that. It became less, it's still the voice is there, but it's not the loudest voice. Right. And you honored it. You honored it from start to finish.
0: And that was what was really cool about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So it's really, it's a film that has changed. It changed me. I can't imagine going through this in any other way. You know, I can't imagine how I'd feel about my mom dying without this project that has made me confront it and put everything on the table so many days and only, you know, leave what's important and what should endure
0: and if you think about it, it's no different than Coach Eric, what he did. I mean, he was confronting his life every single day, but he was impacting you through things he realized, right? As your dad did as a coach, And you now here you are impacting so many others. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, like, I would love as your dad was talking, watching the faces when you could see him in the room or watching the body language from behind. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the one scene where I was ready to smack the dude sitting in front of when your dad was talking, right. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But then by the end of it, he was like, he was all in. I mean, he was locked yeah. in, he was laughing, yeah. he was crying. He was, you know, he's looking at other people. I'm like, yeah, see. But at first I was like, this guy, I mean, first of all, you don't sit in the front of the room, you know, front and center, stuff in your face when this man is talking about this powerful stuff, but he came right. around. Right. 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 That, that's what's so awesome. About it. I mean, the, the folks that you're impacting and you know, and it's all in your own journey. And, and before we, we wrap up with, with the last question, because it's an important question, Where can our listener find out more about Phil Wall? Where can they find out more about each of the documentaries on social media out there on the internet? Go ahead and fill them in.
1: My website is philwall.film. The standard is uh, available in the U.S. on Hulu. You can rent it uh, basically wherever you rent and buy uh, films. The Bookkeepers is currently on its film festival tour. Uh, We got a few festivals coming up here and uh, you can go to the website it's bookkeepers.movie uh and you can kind of track what our schedule is but also you can write in if you got a group of people who who want to have a screening or host a screening you know we're going to be starting that up in in early 2022 and we're planning on distribution we're we're talking to distributors right now but if you got a group you know visit the website get in touch we'll see if we can get schedule an event in your town uh the passing game is uh the work of my heart right now i am editing that right now it is it's another project that uh you know i started it in 2008 uh and here we are and uh, i'm still figuring out what it means and i'm enjoying every second of it that's one you know you got to sign up on the website just to join the newsletter Mm -hmm. it's going to be hidden film festivals uh here in the near future and uh, i'm excited to share that story because again i can't wait to see it you know, I just want to give you the experience of having known Fletcher Eric, I want you to, you know, expand this family, right? This, mm-hmm. yeah. I talk to people all the time. If they figure out, you know, Fletcher Eric, it's like, let's, let's sit down and talk for a while and tell some stories, you know? <laughs> right, right. So I want to expand that family and, and bring people in on the secret. Uh,
0: so. Well, and, and you mentioned something to me and, and it, I'm going to build off what you just said, because I think it's, it's very appropriate. You said something to me like the meaning of the of the films change and what you're doing with the films have changed as you work on them. And we just talked about with the bookkeepers, how certain things showed up differently as it evolved through the process. How about with coach Eric, Were there things as you go back and watch these interviews and watch all the footage that you have and all the things that you shot, all of a sudden, like just every experience you had becomes even richer and more valuable. Has that happened? Yeah, it's and, happening. I think when I first started out
1: the film, I thought I'm going to just I'm going to follow a group of kids who go to Fort Union because I related to the kids. And I thought uh, I'll tell basically my uh, something that mimics my story. As I started making it, I I realized, you know, this is a real missed opportunity. If I want to sit down and talk to someone for 90 minutes about something, I want to talk to them about Fletcher Errett, how he's made this impact. That's what we need to explore. So, in terms of what I'm learning right now about the passing game, it's more uh, like realizing what's important about his story and not trying to tell my own or not trying to right wrongs that I see. It's not about putting Fletcher Ehrlich in the Hall of Fame. That would be amazing, but it would be amazing because that's the story that we should all value. It would be amazing because it would be good for us to be telling that story. Mm -hmm. But what is really important is not making sure that he's a household name. What's really important is that he continues to have impact Mm -hmm. on anyone who crosses his path. And you can do that through film. And the film should be about the things that you experience and learn knowing Coach Eric. He has a profound uh, impact on people and he is incredibly engaging and, and funny the guy was, he he was amazing and and he sticks with me. And I think of him uh, all the time. That's awesome. Well, Phil,
0: I appreciate you and I appreciate the work you're doing and taking time out of it to join us here today. And we'll have all the links, we'll have everything in the show notes on the website. And I mean, thanks again. And and here's what we have to do. We have to commit to this, right? When the passing game comes out and the film festivals start, A, I'm going to be at one of those film festivals, but B, we need to get you back on and talk about all the success that it's having.
1: Uh, that'd be fantastic. And, and thanks so much. And, and uh, this felt like a lot to cover That's uh, great, and, and I appreciate you doing it. And um, I'll definitely look forward to doing it again and, and staying in touch. And I love the podcast. So thank awesome.
0: you. Thanks Phil. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the athletics of business. Be sure to give us a rating and review. So we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit the athleticsofbusiness Now get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.